0: Welcome to Aardvark Avarice. I am your host, Mork. Nano, nano. This podcast is brought to you by Spruce Spring Clean, who are the boss when it comes to eliminating dirt and grime. A Spruce Spring Clean home cleaning will take your house back to its glory days, and you'll agree that they're tougher than the rest. From Atlantic City to the streets of Philadelphia, they'll clean anything with the promise of the human touch. I just want to reassure you that this is not a conspiracy. Wow! 68QUJ5 If you've listened before, you know sometimes I have ideas or come across stories that don't have enough guts to fill an entire podcast, and unlike Baywatch, I can't throw in some filler or a musical montage of an oiled Pamela Anderson, Yasmin Bleeth, or David Hasselhoff running on the beach. Believe me, I've tried. But you know, it's a podcast. So until our AI figures out how to turn audio into images in your head, now there's a thought, I will take my castaways and throw them into a brainless hodgepodge. I call this brainless hodgepodge a garbage plate. This is garbage plate number two, which comes with your choice of an appetizer and a side of homemade ancho chili applesauce. Chunky, of course. For your appetizer, might I suggest Buffalo Cauliflower Bites with ranch and blue cheese. Yum. It's best to listen to this podcast with plenty of wet wipes on hand. All right, let me ask you, how is it that an entire city can smell like a skunk? It wasn't even 420. Seriously. Seriously. I was driving to work, and it was unseasonably warm, so I'm cracking my window trying to air out whatever my son left in the car, probably his soccer socks or an uneaten chicken nugget, or a chicken nugget wrapped in his soccer socks. I'm not two minutes into the city, and I smell a skunk. I drove six blocks. Skunk. I crossed over the river. L'e de un I passed by Superwalk. shoo you. I drove another two blocks, and I still feel like the Masters of the Universe villain, Stinkor, is riding shotgun. Now what was going on? Did Bambi's BFF flower get hit by a Dodge Ram, and all the skunks in the city were raising their tails for a 21-gun salute? Were Cheech and Chong filming another movie co-starring Seth Rogen? Was there a Bob Marley tribute concert that night with headliners Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa, and Willie Nelson? I know what you're thinking, but honestly, I don't roll like that. I was half wondering, however, if a certain co-worker used my car for her lunch break and stashed her lunch in my car vents. Kind of like a time-delayed Pepe Le Pew fart. I wouldn't put it past her. You know the type I'm talking about. Plagued with permanent basset hound eyes, seems ready to nap any time of the day and often does during staff meetings. Has an endless supply of gummy bears and goldfish crackers in their desk drawer. Seems to bathe and patchouli every morning. Does as much work as a Kardashian, and always has an excuse for just about everything. She would probably mistake my car for hers, even though they are different make, model, and color. Still, it's hard to blame the skunk smell of an entire city on one middle-aged, half-functional stoner. But it's probably not for lack of trying. The mystery of the skunk scourge of 2022 was never solved. But it does raise the question, how many skunks does it take to follow up an entire city? The answer? A few. Let us spray it doesn't happen again. Oh, just saying. Speaking of car rides to work, hey dude, with the panel truck loaded with a smokescreen option? You are putting out so much exhaust, I can't even see your taillights, and it smells like burnt Barbie dolls. Don't ask me how I know what burnt Barbie dolls smell like. But that's what you smell like. Seriously, you're not a crop duster. The only thing you are dusting is that poor walker who just strutted right into the street sign because he couldn't see through your dust cloud. You are the highway version of Pigpen from the Peanuts. A symbiotic cloud of filth following you around like Peter Pan's shadow. Listen, you are going to get to your destination, and no amount of Axe Body Spray is going to cover the fact that you just crawled out of your tailpipe. Just saying. Speaking of burnt Barbie dolls, tell me you don't secretly love to sing along to I'm a Barbie Girl by Aqua. I'm a Barbie girl in the Barbie world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. Even you, tough guy with the Carhartt wardrobe. Go ahead. I give you permission to pump up the volume in your all-black Dodge Ram with your baritone bravado. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Just saying. I have an affliction. It's called Nerd ADHD. What's that, you ask? Well, it seems pretty self-explanatory to me, but if you really don't know, let me give you an example. I was sitting at the breakfast table, fully intending to lay down some funny on my surface before slogging off to my real job. An idea came to me for the podcast in between sips of chai. My idea wasn't the funniest thing in the whole world. You know, like Jack Black's The Greatest Song in the Whole World. This is not the greatest podcast in the world. This is just a tribute. You weren't going to wet yourself afterward, but it was probably worth a chuckle. And sometimes that's all you need. Only thing is, the idea flittered out of my brain before I could put fingers to keyboard. You see, when your nine-year-old son asks, Father? Who are the strongest superheroes in the DC Universe? And you are a super nerd such as myself, you tend to lose focus. The answer begins with Superman, of course. Then I'm going to go with Black Adam, Shazam, Martian Manhunter, and possibly Wonder Woman. My son then asked, Who are the strongest Marvel superheroes? Followed by villains, of course. Which I felt obligated to answer. After that, I couldn't organize the clutter in my noggin enough to write an emoji-dominant text, much less remember my chuckle-worthy thought. This is nothing new, and I developed techniques over the years to get back my focus. I attempted redirection through casual web surfing to get my brain lucid, avoiding anything of the tantalizing nature. Pottermore, Ryan Reynolds, Aborigines building luxury mud huts with pools and water slides. No, I stuck with mundane things like world news sports sites unrelated to the Buffalo Bills, and YouTube videos of animals doing silly things. Oh. oh, Maru, even now you are adorable with your simplicity. But my path back to concentration was not to be. Almost immediately, the headline on BBC News derailed my efforts and filled me with great shame. I missed Jodie Whittaker's last episode of Doctor Who. I'm a Whovian! And this was an absolute, unforgivable transgression! I felt like I should have done something to cleanse me of this sin, like fasting, self-flagellation, or forcing myself to watch anything with Ryan Seacrest. Of course my brain went wonky again, and any possibility of getting back on track was doomed. Funny ideas, Tenacious D, Superhero Strongman, Maru. Doctor Who and Ryan Seacrest, all in a ten minute span. Ah, nerd ADHD. It's a curse. Speaking of which, spoilers, David Tennant is the doctor again. What? Nerdgasm. Just saying. The surest way to corrupt youth is to instruct him to hold in higher esteem those who think alike than those who think differently. That was Friedrich Nietzsche from the series Great Ideas of Western Man. Nietzsche's always good for a quote. I do have to stop ragging on him, though. Okay, maybe just a little bit more. Here's a Nietzsche dad joke. Why can't Nietzsche use pencils? Because they're all pointless. (laughs) (sighs) If you've actually followed along with the podcast, you know I'm a sucker for a good corruption of youth story. As I've said before, it seems like since the beginning of the human race, youths have been the target of nefarious outside forces hell-bent on corrupting their innocence. Meanwhile, stalwart groups of high moral standing fight back the evil hand of corruption with loud, defiant rhetoric while thumping leather-bound religious texts and quoting scientific facts they heard from somewhere, from someone with some sort of degree. I think. I know, very specific. When I recently Google-machined youth corruption, I found an article by Mary Cuff, published by CrisisMagazine.com, titled, Disney Has Been Corrupting Kids for Decades. There is so much in this article that if I tried to cover it all, like I initially wanted to do for a standalone podcast my brain would freeze up from too many one-liners and snarky comments looking for their five minutes of fame. Plus, I ran into the same pet peeve I have with talking about specific politicians. It's worth giving this article some attention, but not to the point where I rag on it so much you start feeling sorry for the writer. Ms. Mary Cuff has a lot to say about Disney corrupting the youth, targeting numerous movies, not to mention the theme park itself. I'm going to focus on one, and then let demons lie. The Little Mermaid. Oh, you heard me correctly. Sweet Ginger Ariel, Cute Little Flounder, And the stoic but endearing Sebastian the Crab, Who, in my opinion, has the best song in the whole movie, And not just because it won an Oscar. Under the sea, under the sea, Darling, it's better, down where it's wetter, Take it from me! Oh, it's so catchy. Really, Mary Cuff? Really? You're going to hate on The Little Mermaid? Her biggest criticism is that Disney took a deeply religious story written by Hans Christian Andersen and turned it into a juvenile romantic fluff that validates teenagers unhappy with their bodies and wish to change them. First of all, if you want to use an example to decry corruption of youth, I'm not sure if you really want to go with Hans Christian Andersen. In his day, critics decried his work for doing exactly that, sending the wrong message to children, including the Little Mermaid. Apparently, Hans put too much fun in his stories and not enough education. For shame, Hans, for shame! I wonder what they would have thought of Scooby-Doo. In addition, if there was anybody unhappy with their bodies, it was Hans. In reference to the ugly duckling, he is even quoted as saying, The story is of course a reflection of my own life. Poor Hans. You've got a feel for the guy. I dare you to find a teenager that is 100% comfortable with their body. And is it that unrealistic to think a teenager would do anything for Gaga love? Uh, Romeo and Juliet? And of course Disney deviated from the original Little Mermaid. They wanted to create a movie for children. Not one where Ariel has her tongue cut out, goes borderline fatal attraction, and throws herself into the ocean where she turns into seafoam. Does a ticket to that movie come with a therapy voucher? While Anderson intended The Little Mermaid to be a children's story, he admitted probably appealed more to adults. Lastly, Mary Cuff makes a cumbersome correlation between Ariel's desire for change in the song "Part of Your World" to same-sex marriage and transgenderism. I don't even need a one-liner for that one because it sells itself. However, given the plethora of evidence that Hans Christian Andersen struggled with sexual confusion, I can easily see him gazing out the window singing, "There would I walk." There would I run, if I could stay all day in the sun, just you and me, and I could be part of your world. I apologize now if, in some way, my singing infiltrated your child's subconscious and corrupted them in any way. That was never my intent. Beyond creating an insatiable compulsion to listen to my podcast, Just saying. Oops, I did it again. I had another idea that I intended to add to garbage plate number two. There was a good half hour of time spent hashing it out in my head. Not while I was at my real job, of course, because I'm 100% focused on my real job when I'm at the office. It was in the bathroom at my office. I fully intended to jot down my awesome toilet epiphany to work on later. After work, when somewhere between the commode and my office door, which is a casual meander of about one and a half minutes, the whole thing leaked right out of my ears. But, as happens, the thought came flooding back to me at the most random and inappropriate time. I think I just described Robin Williams' life. So I was eating lunch in my coworker's office, sitting in one of those faux leather chairs that are comfortable enough for clients to sit in at ease for about a half hour, but then they encourage them to hit the road when they've overstayed their welcome. When lunch was over, I stood up to leave, and a nagging hamstring pull I suffered at the hands of my nine-year-old boy in an ill-timed jump tightened right up and had me walking like John Wayne. My hobbling and groans of pain defibrillated my hippocampus and my original idea hit me. Inappropriate muscle poles. I said this too out loud in front of my coworker, while unbecomingly grasping and massaging my hamstring in the workplace. As I just demonstrated, there are certain injuries you just can't attend to in the company of others. You can't exactly massage a pulled butt muscle in public, can you? At least, not in any way that will do service to the gluteus maximus. Not like you can with, say, an arm muscle or shoulder. Heck, some friends and co-workers will even help pal out and hit those hard-to-reach areas in your back after you forgot to lift those roofing tiles with your legs. Try asking Betty from a county to do the same with your tush. You might as well head on down to Carl from human resources, and settle in for a two-hour video on work sensitivity. Don't even go near groin poles. So what do we do? We tough it out. Even if you're walking around like the Duke, trying to hold in a serious fart. Just saying. On that note, how do you have interactive sexual harassment training? Seriously. That's the training I have coming up for my company's all-staff meeting. Anybody? Anybody? Just saying. Speaking of office decorum, I had a Zoomer criticizing my typing. What's a Zoomer, you ask? It refers to the Z generation who are so numerous they have surpassed the Boomer population. Hence, Zoomers. W-T-H. I top out at 80 words a minute. Apparently, that's not fast enough. After belittling my slow typing, which was really just me trying to remember my login password, my coworker proceeded to nerd-splain how to use the company database program, even though I'm the trainer for the program. She also said I look like Gru from the Minions. Although I love Gru, I'm not sure if that was a compliment. I happen to be follically challenged. And I was wearing a sweater that matches Gru's black and gray color scheme. Where's my damn freeze, Ray? Just saying. Well, that's all for today. Thank you again for listening to Ardvar Gavaris. I want to give some props to our sponsor, Spruce Spring Clean, who were born to run down those pesky stains and dusty cobwebs because there is no surrender when it comes to home cleaning. When they are done, you will be blinded by the light Bouncing off your tiled floors. Until next time, this is Benjamin Button saying, be safe, be kind, and enjoy the Roquefort. (laughs) Bye-bye.